Hey people, this is DJ. And this is Ish. And, and this, this is season four of Better Let Me Tell You. somebody's opinion about whatever it is i i i mean if it or if it's if it's an issue that maybe i don't know about but even still because that would pepper your right but but sometimes certain editorials can have a certain amount of explanation okay depending on the author right right but 90 percent of the time yeah i don't care to read the editorial <laughs> i don't well that's why we have a podcast, so Luck, we can talk about Lucky things. for you, we're on episode 171. Are we, we recording? We can talk about Oh, shit, you recorded my whole editorial rant. <laughs> Your whole editorial spiel. <laughs> spiel. Um, well, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 179. Happy Pedal Friday. Yeah. 171. I, yeah. 179. Did, Did you say 179? You said 179. It's 171. 171. 171. 171. Um, Today, I had to say 2022, and it took me a while to think about it. 2022 because we were talking about planning for the following year mm-hmm. and i was like yeah because we're gonna start planning for 2022 I, like oh my gosh february february 22nd 2022 oh so many twos two twenty two twenty two. if prince was alive he'd probably write a song about it mm, yeah so <laughs> how is everybody happy friday happy friday and we're at the end of august friday. yeah that's it the, the, the year's over that the year's over that's yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah you go to target there's halloween yeah stuff. it's valentine's day already <laughs> of next year of 2022 <laughs> <laughs> no i love you know what i love how like like on january 2nd no like yeah january 2nd they already have valentine's day stuff Oh yeah, Valentine. No, no, they're, no, they're like in spring. No, and you know which, 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 it, it. Okay, it's sort of like you know how like fashion houses do like the the fall collection in like the spring. Right, 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 right. right. I feel the same about the Dollar Tree. Oh yes, the Dollar Tree always is like three months ahead of whatever holiday. Like if you go now, they, they already probably have already Halloween. Have, huh? They already have Halloween. They have already have Halloween. Have Halloween. Well, there we go. Yeah, yeah, there we go. In about two or three weeks, by episode one seventy nine, they're gonna have Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. No, well, that's in eight weeks, so that's two months. No, definitely they will have Christmas. Yeah. They'll have Christmas. But um <laughs> but you, yeah, wait, wait, what were we talking about? Oh editorials. I don't even know. Editorials. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't I don't care for editorials. No. And and once upon a time, yes, there was a certain place for editorials, like of the New York Times or the Washington Post. Well, but that was before like things. cable news and social media. But now I feel like I I my main news source online mm-hmm. is NBCnews.com. Right, okay. it may surprise people that's not CNN. It's NBCnews.com. I've always, for news, gone mm-hmm. to NBC, and um, I find that even NBCnews.com, it's like op-ed, op-ed, op-ed. Uh, yes, op-ed. It's like op-ed. I'm like, I don't, I don't mind some of them, but it's like I, I'm, I want to read the news or I, I want to know about, yeah, but I think factually about certain things. I think that's also why nowadays people, because again. You know that now when people say do your research, it's really just shorthand for keep going until you find something you agree with. Right. And the fact that so many news sources have like 400 op-eds on everything. Right. Now people can say like, no, but NBC says. Right. And then, you know, when you've read two articles, you've become an expert. Right. And as we discussed several times here in the podcast... People become legal expert, experts overnight. Yeah. It took me three years. Yeah, no, or, saw, or infectious disease experts. I saw a meme the other day that said hospitals are going to stop um, 
actually relying on doctors for medical advice and they're just going to start relying on parents who've read an article online. Uh, yes. Informed parents. <laughs> Informed parents. Who, no, yeah. parents who've done their research. Done their research. I, yeah. I, I yeah. saw, I actually did see. That I one, did see. Yeah. Do you remember the Instagram, um, Follower that we had, we lost that follower. What a that shame. We would engage with on some light conversation. And every other word she said, it was like, I've done my research. I've done my research. Right. And I'm like, but you haven't. You haven't. <laughs> You've looked for things that support your thought. But no, that's not it. even that. Because like she was clearly off. No, but what I'm saying, is, but, but that's what people do. They're like, oh, do your research. It's like, but I did. I went to a nonpartisan source right. and I pulled information. You right. went to www my opinion is exactly like yours.org mm-hmm. and pulled that article. I anyway, so something I wanted to bring up because a lot of people are talking about it this week because oh. I think it's like foolishness. Okay. Oíste el lawsuit que están metiendo Nirvana. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. For... It's totally legit. Is it really? Yeah. So let's talk about it. So for those of you who um, may have not heard, uh, there was a lawsuit filed this week against the surviving members of Nirvana and Kirk Courtney estate, Law, right? Courtney Love, because she is the executor of Kirk oh, Cobain's okay. estate, Geffen Records, and about thirteen other defendants. Yeah, so it's almost a class action. <laughs> yes, they even include as a defendant the original bassist for. Nirvana, which wasn't even part of Nirvana <laughs> when they shot the picture. But okay. they include him too. Okay. Um anyway, so the Dave Grohl is probably yeah, included uh, too. Yeah, no, yeah. Dave Grohl is included. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah the surviving that, members that, of, of Nirvana. Uh, but even this guy who had nothing to do with the Nevermind right. album. But anyway. So the lawsuit is being brought. And for those of you who don't know, the the cover to the Nevermind album yes, is... Yes, I was getting there. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. The lawsuit is being brought by the baby on the <laughs> now infamous and iconic cover of Nirvana's 1991 album, Nevermind, which, as you know, um, I mean, everybody knows that album, so I don't think... We, know, we don't have to go further than that. Yet. Right. Um, it has a baby, which is naked, um, swimming, and... In a, in a pool, right? In a pool, yeah. It was shot at the... Um, a Rose Bowl uh, Aquatic Center, um, that picture. And um, the baby, it looks like the baby's chasing a dollar, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's like on a hook and all that. You know, probably I would say easily, without a doubt, one of the like top 10 most famous album covers. Yeah, it's up right? there with Janet Jackson's Janet. Yeah, it's one of the most famous album covers and probably one of the most famous just images um, yeah. commercial images pop, pop culture images in, yeah. ever um, everybody knows that album and you know it's also the album that brought Nirvana into like commercial success yeah. and fame um, a lot of people think that Nevermind was Nirvana's first album it nope. actually was not um, it was Bleach in 1988 or 89 um, but since Nir- there's no overnight successes it's, right. you know. and obviously that album has their most iconic hit Smells Like Teen Spirit so the what I think is really interesting is that the lawsuit is being brought by the baby who is now I'm, I'm totally not, picturing like a baby going not, to court. Yes. <laughs> by the baby. Um I, I don't have his name here. Uh but um when well, no, that album came out when? In nineteen ninety one. He's thirty. So yeah. He's thirty. And he was four months old when they shot yeah, the, the cover. Está recién, yeah. So he is bringing out the uh, lawsuit and among the allegations he has is child pornography that's where he kind of lost me well he kind of lost me in all of it but but child (laughs) pornography and 
here's the thing what what makes this like really just a roller coaster mm-hmm. so child pornography cases or allegations are federal yeah, yeah right yeah. so this is like a federal case right and uh, a lot of you are out there thinking oh but this is 30 years old statute of limitation doesn't apply um to child pornography or murder right or to child pornography yeah that's, that's the only two yeah. yeah um it does not apply to child pornography that's why like if you download something on your computer that's child pornography and they catch you years later, they still there's catch not you. a statue, a four-year statute of limitation like there is in like tort law or, or what right, have right. you. Um, so he is not barred time-wise to bring this lawsuit. So he's, you know, again, there's child pornography cases. He also made an allegation that because the image shows that the baby is chasing a dollar, um, he is alleging that he was a sex worker. <laughs> Fucking A. Yeah. You haven't read the allegations? I have not because the minute that I saw the lawsuit, I couldn't go yeah, past the headline. that he's a sex worker. Um, mind you, the dollar obviously was later added. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who hurt this child? And then who hurt this and man? Then, because that's not normal. And then um, he makes all these allegations <clears throat> of emotional distress, trauma that he can't have relationships because of this, so on and so forth. My so so here here's my whole take on it. I, I believe in you know obviously I believe in PTSD and I believe in drama that you know you can have years later of an event that happened earlier in your life fine like i really do believe that um 100 and i support people that come out you know like a lot of times when you hear child children that were molested by people or by like correct, a priest correct. or something when they were children and they struggle with it i i'm 100 supportive of that my my problem with this lawsuit is that up until now, um, he had been interviewed for the 10th, 20th, and like I think 25th anniversary. And he was cool with it. He was cool with it. He's recreated the picture. Um, he's re- He recreated the picture at like 10, 15, 25. Okay, like so he's, he's had fun Several with times. It. Um, and I just... I, I that That's the problem that I'm having reconciling it. Because I'm trying to think of it with a very open mind. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, he didn't ask to be in that picture. He was a baby. Um this according to the story he was not paid to be in the picture how did that picture so how how the story goes is that the the father of his father his father okay was friends with the photographer Mm -hmm. and the photographer told the father hey i'm gonna be doing some pictures at the pool okay uh, the past uh, the rose bowl um aquatic center um and i'm gonna be doing some stuff with babies like Bring your kid. Bring your yeah. kid. Yeah. And he brought his kid, and I think he got like $200 for it. Okay. So, and he was friends with the photographer. Okay. So, so there, right. so there wasn't any like, um, like release or contract or things like that. Okay. Now, what happens a lot of times in, I guess, the world of um, intellectual property mm-hmm. is that pictures are the intellectual property of the photographer. Correct. Not of the subject. Correct. I mean, you have instances like in like in Shutterstock, uh, like and all that, where the model gets paid X amount. Yes. And then the photographer, but, but owns it's of the, the right. photographer. Right. Now, where things get a little muddy, muddy is when a photographer mm-hmm. uses the image of some uses someone's likeness mm-hmm. 
for their benefit. So, for example, if I see somebody who's a public figure and I take a picture of them Mm -hmm. and now this becomes this massive thing, right, that's different because I'm using their likeness Mm -hmm. for my commercial gain without their permission, right? Okay, okay. So that's where it becomes a little bit like trickier um, because even, even, because you can't, capitalize on someone's likeness but again it's very tricky because for example a paparazzi if you are a celebrity and a paparazzi takes a picture of you and you post that picture on your instagram or whatever Mm -hmm. the paparazzi can sue you because it's their intellectual property and that's why they can always sell it to these tablets yes and i forget who was the who there was recently um was it rihanna there was recently, like in the last couple of months, a big time celebrity that posted a picture mm. that a paparazzi had taken at her. She, mm. I don't know where she found the picture and she posted it on her Instagram and they were suing her, right? So photographers own the intellectual property of the picture, of the image, not right. the subject, okay. right? So obviously this photographer took the picture of the baby and sold it to the rest is, and here we are. Right. Sold it probably to the record company or whatever right. and the rest is history. Right. right. I could understand if somewhere in the trajectory of the last 30 years, the baby, the, the, the baby <laughs> um, or his family may have asked for some type of compensation. And that would have been a and, and, right. But the, the a lawsuit 30 years later, basing it on child pornography and all this stuff, that's where I think a lot of people are just really like lost on that. Because I think that the disservice that's doing is that child pornography is a very, very real thing. Yes. And, you know, child sex labor is a sex real, real, is, real yeah. thing yeah. Um, that many times is done through the medium of photography. So... You know, you're you're, you're sort you're of trivializing a you're, little. You're trivializing it. You're you're watering down a very, very, very serious allegation with very, um, you know, the, the child pornography and things like that are things that require a very specific intent. Yeah, exactly. right. And you, well, because if not, anybody who takes a kid of a picture of their kid at a year old yeah. in a bathtub yeah. is is a purveyor of kitty porn. Right. So. Yeah, I think that, I, I again, I like to keep an open mind of, of people that make certain allegations after years of having mm-hmm. sustained trauma. But I think that this is just really, really out there. This and, seems a little money grubby to yeah. me. What, what did you think when you first heard it? I thought it was full of crap. Like, quite honestly, in my, my opinion, the minute that it was like, you know, I saw the thing about kitty porn and, and all that. It's just like, it seems like you're reaching. Yeah, you know, he said something along the lines of like, "Oh, you know, it's like really traumatizing to him when he goes to like, let's say, a baseball game, mm-hmm. and he thinks like, oh, you know, everybody in the stadium has seen my penis." Okay, first of all, I hope it's not the same size. <laughs> Second of all, like, how do they know that? Because again, we're talking about an image of a four-month-old baby. Even me, you have seen my baby pictures, and I look pretty much the same at four months old to now. Like, unless I go around telling people, mm-hmm. "Hey." That's me in the cover of Nirvana. Hey, that's right. me in the cover of Nirvana. Right. Hey, that's me in the cover right. of Nirvana. The average person is not going to know. So and you are, and, and, it, it's almost a vicious cycle because you're saying like people know, right, but how are they finding out? Because right. you are going and around saying And baby nudity it. is not considered pornography. That's why there could be... Skin so soft and all right, those things. Even yeah. advertisements that show kids' butts and stuff yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like pampers. Um, and- so, yeah, it's really... 
it's it's it, to me it's one of those frivolous lawsuits that it, it's just like dude if you're unhappy because there's no compensation because of the the raw deal you got fair i'm with you yeah because i could understand being like annoyed that they, my image as a baby was used in one of the most iconic it's still you know, on t-shirts today covers ever right that still generates Revenue, a considerable right. amount of money every year right right because and i, I don't mean, get for, shit for god's sake like Hot topic can, has you, it you, target has right. that t-shirt right right um so i mean it's made it down to target right <laughs> so you know what that 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 picture means right i have no idea you don't know the I don't know the meaning of that picture. Oh man! Okay, you don't. You're not a Nirvana fan like no, I was. No. It's it's a kind of criticism of capitalism. Oh man! Okay. And look at the irony in that. Yeah, full circle. Yeah, full circle. For because circle you know the baby chasing chasing the dollar. Well, I like to chase money too, so maybe yeah. that's why I would not have gotten it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Oye, qué me dices tú? This is a another. <laughs> muddy sticky situation oh my god what's up with that whole only fans banning Dude. sexually explicit well, they, they concepts reversed and it. they reversed it they reversed it do you think it was a publicity stunt i still don't know okay so for our listeners who don't know so only fans is this narcissistic medium <laughs> in which people hey but you know what there's a, there's a market for everyone there is where people um Charge a subscription. Charge a subscription. To their page. And this is regular Joe Schmoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, right? a, it's amateur. I, I can have an OnlyFans. You can have an OnlyFans. You, listener, can have yes. an OnlyFans. Some of you may, for all Some we know. Some of you may, yeah. <laughs> I don't I, know. I, 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 exactly. Exactly. Juanita listening to us can have an, only pay, an Juan, OnlyFans. Juanita pay. may have an OnlyFans of just her feet. You know, yeah. Or a Sexo Criollo. Exactly. We don't know. We <laughs> That's don't, a good name. Sexo Criollo. And, uh, that, should that be our rapper name? <laughs> Sexo Criollo. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Maybe la, you know, la abuela. You know, oh, that's true. There, there is a market for everything. As OnlyFans has proven. Exactly. Um, so yeah, anybody can be a porn star. Uh, that's pretty right. much what it is. I mean, look. At the end of the day, you know, the porn industry has changed a lot, and we know that at the end of the day, just like any studio system, it's about the studio making money. The 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 sex workers, the actors, are not the ones really reaping the benefit. And so, OnlyFans, at the end of the day, was a way for them to set up set up their own okay. way, make make their money okay. because okay. I think OnlyFans well, only well, took like. That, that, We'll get to that 10% in a minute. or something. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. So, but basically, OnlyFans was built on the back of porn. Yes. No but, pun intended. But before we get there. So, this week or earlier this week, OnlyFans what stated, because OnlyFans is like a service provider, if you will. Right. Right. It's where you, Joe Schmo, can set up a page with, you know, videos of you doing feet. all sorts of things and people pay a subscription to watch you. Right. Which you set. Right, so this week, OnlyFans said that they were removing um, sexually explicit material from their service right. from their provider, which makes me think. So, what would be left? Right, exactly. Right. Um. Anyway, so then they reversed it, but in those two or three days, yeah, really, it wasn't a, even a lot week. of people got pissed off. So, I guess the topic of conversation that I wanted to bring up is like, what are your thoughts on this whole OnlyFans phenomenon? So, okay, I... 
I don't have an issue with it from the perspective of I know you saying that it's like narcissistic and it's like I think it's, I think there's I think it okay I think there okay fair enough I think there is a level of narcissism but I think that even you know like let, let's let's move away from OnlyFans like I think even to get into porn there's a there's a level of narcissism right that you think you are good enough that people want to watch you have sex right I mean I think it, it's not it's not that far gone of a conclusion right and I think that. At least through OnlyFans, you know, a lot of these people were were doing it in their own homes, in their, you know, they, they controlled the environment, they controlled the, the the partners that they were performing with, they set their rates. The I don't remember what the the division is uh, that OnlyFans keeps, but it's a lot more favorable to the creator. So I mean, you know, it's it, it's not a bad thing, I guess, in the sense of like, look, if you're going to become a sex worker and, and that's the avenue you want to take, at least there's a certain safety precaution level to it. Where if you go to a studio, you know, you're not the one in control, especially if you're not a quote unquote name, you're showing up and it's like, all right, well, guess what? You're going to do 12 scenes right now with 14 different people in the next three hours, you know, and, and the working conditions and maybe there's not testing. And I mean, you know, again, these just, there's a lot of, I agree with everything you said. Um, I, I specifically agree because, you know, not that I'm an expert in the porn industry by no means, but that's something that you always hear about the porn industry, how especially young women yeah. are exploited, yeah. you know, by Rashida these... Jones has a fantastic documentary uh, called Hot Girls Wanted. Right. You hear that time and time again, how especially younger people, yeah. you know, and a lot of times people with substance abuse problems and stuff get involved in this and then they make these decisions that follow them the rest of their life and, you know, they're, they're being manipulated they're not based on their own desire right but, by know. by these outside factors studios mm-hmm. and these people within the system that control their their monetary gain and right. whatever fine i agree with everything you said my whole like thing about I'm just surprised it, it became so popular my whole thing about it and i have seen a lot of people just regular everyday people that have only fans and my whole thing about it Good is like you know, good for them. You do you. Listen, if I didn't have a you family you. that, that was you. worried about finding no, out, maybe but, I would but, do but it I too. Just think, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I find discretion so attractive. Right, but that's also why you would not become a porn actor. But it's not even. I don't even see it from. A, I don't even see it from a moral standpoint. No, 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 no. But I'm not even. But, not, but, you, but, God knows, I'm not but, either. But but I just. I don't know. I think discretion is so attractive. I think that like people that just I, there, there's something just. I don't know if this is because of social media or something. There is an attractiveness on all sorts of not only physical but just even a connection and you know mental and all that to wanting to find things out about someone. There being a certain mystery and like okay. I just think that like uh, for me. For me, I'm not judging people that do it. I'm not judging the medium. You're only talking from you. I'm talking from you. I just like, I don't know. I find that such a sort of kind of turnoff. But I think the same could be said even on a a much smaller level. You know, Instagram, TikTok, people who live their entire lives online. And I think that that's... Right, 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 right. But I'm saying, at least least the OnlyFans people have the the courtesy of being like, listen, you're going to pay and you're going to get something for it. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, no, I agree. I agree. (laughs) But, but but you're talking now about like people having sex. And again, I'm not even judging it from a moral standpoint. If you want to do that, then do it. Because I'm, you know, that's my whole mantra. You do what you do. As long right. as you're not hurting anybody else. Go for it. Go for it. Right. You know, you do you. Even if you got an eye roll, 
you do you but i don't know i just think that like and and i i think that also a lot of it for better or for worse things having to do with sex and porn are still very taboo for better for worse and that has a way of haunting you and that the internet has the internet never forgets forgets. and i just I, i i guess what i'm trying to say is i've been a little bit surprised with this whole like uptick and uproar of right like, that it's become such a mainstream this, thing a mainstream really. thing of people that don't care mm-hmm. that this material is out there i am but i'm not because again we live in such a public world where for a lot of people their their self validation is based on how many likes how many comments how many followers so the next logical step of that evolution would be how many people are going to pay well, to that, follow I, I was about to ask you that do you think that the rise of only fans and again particularly to and there's a competitor by the way only, there's only fans and then there's just for fans I love the meme that is like of a fan store. Un ventilador. <laughs> no, my favorite meme though was of when they were looking like OnlyFans was gonna, you know, remove the porn essentially. And it was like OnlyFans, you know, the like when you the meme about the guy that's walking with his girlfriend and looking back. Uh-huh. So the girl in the front was was uh OnlyFans, like with a big X yeah. through it, and the guy looking back was a spirit Halloween. Oh <laughs> we know how that goes. They swoop in. Yeah. Um, and I feel that like they've gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Oh yeah! Now it's like Spirit of Halloween. Orita will be at a closed Walmart, like <laughs> and hopefully my kid. Yeah, uh, a stadium, a closed stadium, closed stadium. Spirit of Halloween. Anyway, actually, that's a good point that you brought. Do you think that like the rise of OnlyFans, particularly when it comes down to like porn and like explicit videos, mm-hmm. do you think that that is a symptom of this social media-esque world we live in now living your life in public right that it's all validation because i still get a kick about regular everyday people that on instagram put that they're public figures thank you because they have like you know 1500 followers thank you and it's like i have more followers than that you know and i would never put on my instagram you know it's that you and i now because we have have a podcast i have i have less followers on my personal and I, because of the podcast, can make a more legitimate claim to be a right. public figure. Right. And I don't put that on my right. on my thing. Yeah, people are like, public figure. It's right. like, a public figure of to what? who? Like, your HOA? Like, <laughs> are you famous among your, your homeowners association? Like, like, I know fame has levels, but man. <laughs> yeah, right? So do you think that out. it's a result of that? Like, that's like the next step it's that the- people are so... It's inevitable. I People think. just want to like share so much that they're like sharing having sex. Yes. And I think that, I mean, the, the argument could be made that, you know, some people know how to ha- have sex on camera and that's more of a talent than other people. But at the end of the day, having sex doesn't really require a talent per se. Mm-hmm. Right. So think about All it. All it requires is a good phone stand. A go- <laughs> and a good and, tripod. and the, the circle lighting, the, the ring lighting. Right. <laughs> Which you could get at Walmart Which, for nine ninety nine. We have I have one here in this room. You can get one at uh, uh, five below for ten. Well, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> I actually bought one the other day. Yeah. Well, I, you know the one that I have here that I just took down for us to record. Yes. I get my money's worth out of that. 
Although I don't do any under... Uh, <laughs> Not that money's no. worth. Not that Let's money's worth. Let's just say worth. that when I have Zoom meetings, my lighting is on point. Yes, it's, it's <laughs> like a, a fashion show over yeah. here. But, um, you know, I think as... You know, it's just an easier way to become famous. And look, you know what? We all watch porn. I mean, let's be realistic about it. I, there's a reason that OnlyFans exists. If okay. nobody if nobody watched porn, OnlyFans wouldn't be a thing. Pornhub wouldn't be a thing. Xtube wouldn't be a thing, right? Like, there's a reason. Right, but, right, but, the, but the thing so about... It's something, so it's something that even if... like Where I'm going with this is, it's an easy way to get attention. Because you know what? Everybody likes sex. Right, but until... So you don't even have until to do OnlyFans came out. Mm -hmm. Like, porn was by porn stars. And porn stars by were porn very, actors, were correct, very correct. specific people that they, for whatever amount of time or right. for whatever reason, because, you know, the porn, uh, yeah, porn it, actors it, it, it have like a very in, it short... It turns them in, turns them out. Right. Yeah. Um, made a very conscious decision that this was what they were going to do. And they were going to obviously, yeah, you know, they, they, I imagine that being a porn star... Like like a legit porn star, I would imagine, comes with professional, a certain professional. a professional porn star comes with a a certain certain bullet points lifestyle wise, right? Okay, there's certain expectations, right? Like you have to make appearances, and you know, yes, because, you, you, you have know, to go to the depending AVNs, on who you are, yeah, you could you yeah. could be a brand, right? Yeah, like a Jenna Jameson, right? So there's a whole there's a whole like spectacle about that right so the, i feel that these were people that like okay i am getting into this industry these are people right? who i think just want to become famous and they're like i'm gonna gain my fame and my fortune in however i can okay. but but and the, hey but again the thing it. with only fans and which which is the thing that i've it's funny because i i'm a very very open-minded person but for some things i'm like very naive and i i i have seen people like just on instagram mm -hmm. That have only fans, and I'm like, oh my god! But like, your Instagram is filled with pictures of you like walking your dog, and like you, you know, um, crafting. Well, and to your point, discretion. And, and I'm like, and you have an only fans. Like, I, again, again. I, I'm, In all I'm, fairness, there are only fans pages that are not about porn. Right. They're the minority. They're the right. minority. But but, but, they but do that's exist. what I'm trying to say. That like, I'm I'm naive when it comes down to certain things. That I think like, I feel that that for. A lot of people is like such a because again I'm looking at it from that more old fashioned view. Right. I, I I think that's such a like bad judgment call because like that is going to be out there forever, forever. True, and it's like I would feel so like, but that's me. I would feel so just uncomfortable with having that content out at all, but let alone forever because the internet never forgets right right and that's the part where i'm like wow like i i wonder what it, the thought process of an everyday person to like to, you to and i an everyday person that goes to work at nine in the morning and comes back home you know to say you know i'm gonna start filming myself having sex or doing whatever right. and i'm gonna put it up on online it's very lucrative <laughs> I will say that it's very lucrative, and they did see an uptick during uh, during COVID last year. I know. I, again, I just but but that makes sense because people getting laid off. You're at home. No. I mean, you know, you need to earn a living, right? Again, I just for me, again, I'm very very open minded, but there's some things I'm 
very conservative about. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's nothing more attractive than discretion and and modesty in a certain sense. You know, yeah. uh, I I think that that just not only attractive in a sexual or physical no, sense, no, no, but no. just right, right, right. interesting. Like right. I think it's so interesting. What, what what is so I find annoying when you meet someone, and within two minutes you know their whole life story. Mm -hmm. Like they just spit out like their yeah. whole life story, and it's like, but why are you telling me this? Like, why? yeah, but you know what? But you and I are also the type of people that people feel that they can just come and start telling things to. I know, and it's, you shouldn't. It's, you and I are the type of people that people will literally sit down with us, and it's like within ten minutes, I'll t you know they'll walk away, and I'll be like, Jose, did you know this person? Ba -ba 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 and they'll be like, but they were here for a minute and a half. I'll never forget that uh, some years ago, I was at the mattress giant in Hialeah, as I would be. Y una señora. I was buying a bed frame. Okay. Y la señora, you know, takes my driver's license. She's like, ay, tu cumpleaños tuyo en octubre. Ay, mira como es de mi hijo. Mira, porque mi hijo se llama ta, 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 ta. Y este es mi hijo. Y la, 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 pero ella no vive en la casa. Pero él vino en la casa la semana pasada porque yo y mi esposo compramos un refrigerador y necesitamos que me ayudara a mover el refrigerador. Porque no, 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 porque él está viviendo ahora solo porque se acaba de divorciar. Porque imagínate que la mujer de él lo dejó en bla, bla, bla. And I'm like, this woman has just told me her entire life story and that of her adult child. And I'm just here for a queen mattress. Yes, and I'm just here for a bed frame. Like, give me my... Of course... I love that. That is, those are little. You don't interrupt them. No, those are the little Hialeah moments yes. or Miami moments that yeah. I just, I love. I love, 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 yeah. love. Um, and I'm there like, si senora, si senora. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> oh, but I find that like, again, I find that like modesty and humility and in that sense is so, you know, interesting and attractive. But, you know, why do that when you live in a world where you could have buy your followers and your likes and people pay to see you do things, exactly. you know? Exactly. But you know, you know who who has probably some interesting Miami stories like you just mentioned and moments. And she also uses her social media platform, but for good. For good. For good. Is this week's guest. I didn't know how the hell I was going to transition from OnlyFans to <laughs> to this week's guest to be quite honest with you. But this week we have with us uh, Natalie Morales. Mm -hmm. She's an actress and a director, a writer. You may know her from... She's been on so many things. I mean, yeah, I know. She's been like... Wh wh you like know, where I, do you the, start? The, you know, The Grinder with Rob Lowe. She was in Dead, uh, Dead to Me on Netflix with uh, Linda Cardellini and Christina Applegate. She was in um, Stuber with Dave Bautista. Um, and she just directed her movie, Plan B. Well, not just. I mean, she finished it like last year. And her new movie, Language Lessons, is coming out in a couple weeks as well. And you know what? This I know we say this all the time, but we freak. I love this interview. Yeah, I did. She was fun. She was. Great. I love this. She was interview. great. And what was so good about her, as you will hear in the interview, is that <laughs> she's one of us. <laughs> Literally, like I mean, when we say she's one of us, like well, you'll hear it. You'll hear it. But you know, without further ado, guys, here's our chat with Natalie Morales. You know from listening to us, we love the gym, but there's no reason to spend lots of money every month just to stay healthy. That's where UFIT comes in. You've heard me say it many times, I freaking love UFIT. It's got state-of-the-art equipment, and you're not on top of one another, which is a must in this day of social distancing. And memberships start at just $10 a month. Why pay more? It's not like paying more instantly gives you muscles or anything. Plus, Many locations have group fitness classes and affordable personal training to further help you achieve your goals. I mean, you're unique. Shouldn't your workouts be also? Asike, what are you waiting for? Find your fit at ufit.com to find a club nearest you. After all, only you can be your own fitness hero. 
Miami gente, welcome back. Now, this week with us, we have, we get excited and we love all of our guests. But this week, I think more excited because actor, director, writer, you know, activist. But most importantly, fellow Southwest Miami Senior High alum, <laughs> Natalie Morales is with us on the on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us, Natalie. I am so happy to be here finally. I'm happy to talk to you guys. This is so exciting. You know? Yes, particularly this year. I have been a very busy person for sure. That's, it's, been, yeah. it's been kind of nuts. Yeah, yeah. That's a great thing. I, I have to tell you, I'm like super excited. You know, not only because obviously you've been very successful. I, I was doing a little bit of research, you know, as to your background. And it's like, you're from Kendall. You're Cuban. And it's like you went to Southwest. It's like hello. Like, I, I will say I don't know. I don't know who wrote my Wikipedia, but I'm not from Kendall. I'm from fucking Westchester, man. That's what. <laughs> what? Okay, even Kendall, better. Southwest. You gotta be from Westchester. Yeah, I'm from Southwest. I know anybody who knows. I'm from Westchester. We we've had the pleasure of interviewing a lot of you know Cuban Americans and you know even people that have been from Miami, but never have we had. Westchester, Cuban, who went to the same like high school we did. Sure, I'm sure. It's exciting for me too, because I like I, I don't get to, you know, do interviews with people that are exact literally from the same place as me. Yeah, I'm sure we hung out at the same places, literally. <laughs> I mean, there's only so many places to hang out. Like You know, next time next time we have a, uh, an interview, we're just gonna literally have it on the corner of like La Cuarenta y la Ochenta y Siete. Literally just on the corner. Outside Western. of Arbiters. Uh-huh. Just seeing what that is. Yeah. I just was there and I saw they changed the sign. And that made me so sad. Yep. Well, they, they updated the sign, but it's still yellow. <laughs> it's sure, but it's not the old vintage sign. And I was like, oh, that's, that was so, like, uh, it was just a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, now that we've you know, established what the three of us have in common, um, <laughs> a lot of people, we always like when we have people on the show, you know, that, that, have like been so successful a lot of people sometimes maybe don't realize how they started or what was their big break so tell us a how, how did we get from you know, our betters hot dogs on 87th and bird road to the success that you've had um it wasn't an easy road but uh yeah actually my first i i can't i moved out here when i was 20 because there wasn't, I, I did do, I did do a commercial, I did a couple, this is a top secret, but I did do a couple of novelas when I lived in Miami when I was like 18 or 19. No. Um, very, very small roles because, I don't know if it's still this way, but at the time they were like, you don't speak Spanish with a neutral accent, which just means a Mexican accent. And so they, I was like a bartender and like a maid, like they didn't let me have any, you know, speaking roles. Which, could you imagine though? Like, what a different career trajectory that would have been. Would have been so, so completely different. And I did, I did a, I did do a CVS commercial when I lived in Miami when I was eighteen, which was like my first thing that I oh, that I did, which is very, very exciting for me. It was like CVS was buying all the Eckerds, and um, oh yeah, and they, and they were like, you know, the point of the commercial was that the pharmacy was much faster than the Eckerds pharmacy, and so I played like. <laughs> like a kind of like a slutty teenage girl whose mom was gonna go get a prescription medicine and she was like i'm gonna the pharmacy back i'll be back and i'm like mommy i mean i, I call my boyfriend i'm like my mom went to get prescriptions she's gonna be, be forever come over and and like 
then they both show up at the same time and the mom's like, oh no, you know, and I'm sure it's somewhere online. It's very embarrassing, but very funny. Um, but anyway, I, you know, there, there unfortunately wasn't a lot of opportunity for me in Miami with this particular career path, you know. And so I moved out here when I was 20. I went to, you know, I did plays at Miami Dade and at FIU, and and um, I didn't really know that I could or wanted to be an actor or a director until I was in high school when I did drama classes and stuff. Like that freshman year of high school is when I, when everything changed for me. I, I went to St. Agatha before that, from like kindergarten to eighth grade, and then I and then I was gonna go to oh my god, Saint what's Agatha's the name? Where I went for for CCD. Yeah, <laughs> where I took my communion. It's like there you, there you go. Yeah, it's it's all it's all circular. Ugh, why can't I remember the name of the magnet school? There's a magnet school that does a bunch of different magnets. It's not New World. It's I I, I applied to do a magnet for law. But anyway, I got in when I was 14 to go to go there, and I was so excited because I wanted to be a lawyer. And um, I got all the paperwork finally, and I, and it said Natalia Morales. So I called them and I said. Hey, you spelled my name wrong, and they're like, "No, we got your address wrong. It's the wrong person. We actually—it's a lottery, so we picked Natalia Morales, not you." Wow. So the last minute, I had to like scramble. I didn't have a school to go to, and it was like the last end of the summer before high school started. So I was like, "Okay, I'll go to Southwest, but I don't know anybody there." It's like, nor had I ever like worn my own clothes to school. I had only done like <laughs> my little uniform. I was so nervous, so I went to. Um, I was like, let me take summer school classes so that I at least get to know some people before the big school year starts. So I was like, I'll take guitar, which I play a little bit of, and I'll do like photography. And they were like, oh, someone just took the last spot in photography. Do you want to try drama? And I was like, okay. And then, uh, and then that was it. And like, I, I met some people that I met in that class are like still my very best friends today. And it really uh, totally changed my life forever and actually the first big job that I got out here was CSI Miami I did a guest star <laughs> on CSI Miami ironically enough it was a lot of like auditioning and bravado and you know set Miami hustle of, yeah I'm gonna move to Hollywood I'll have an agent in like a month and then I'll be on TV in like two months and none of that <laughs> happened it was true but you have that sort of I also say by the way Something that set me apart coming from Miami and coming out here, and there's a lot of Cuban women that look white, and 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 so that's a little easier, or look like the version of a Latina that you would stereotypically imagine in your head, which is like curvy and like you know like long black hair, whatever, right? Or, or right. you know just right. like a stereotypical like Latina look, even though we know that Latino people come in all shapes and colors and sizes, right? Like. Argentina exists. There are blonde and blue-eyed Latin people. Why, why is it this narrow viewpoint? But when I was first starting out, like, I'm brown, so I definitely don't look white. And so I didn't fit into the white categories, but I also wasn't the, like, Latina stereotype. Like, part of the reason I left Miami is because I don't have a huge butt and nobody hit on me. So, like, I, I was just not, not successful in Miami at all. Uh, on the dating scene by any means. You, you realize that's the pull quote, right? For the episode. Sure, but, okay. but, uh, <laughs> what, what I think is so interesting in, in, in hearing your story is that you, it, it sounds like you got into this sort of by a, a, a mistake. That's quite yeah, remarkable. I mean, but like, if you think about the lawyer aspect is the same sort of performative thing that drew me to it. I was like imagining myself in court defending somebody, right? And the reason I 
decided not to become a lawyer is because I was like, oh, I'm going to have to defend like people I don't like. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What I was going to say is that something that I think is unique for me being from Miami and being being Latina is that because I was not a minority in Miami, not only are Latin people the majority, the majority, but they're they're also Cuban people are the majority. Like I always talk about Southwest and like what that was like. I feel like it was really 80% Latin and like 75% Cuban and everything else was kind of jumbled in the rest of that, right? And so I have the like confidence of a mediocre white man because I didn't grow up with that like you're a minority thing that many, many people in that are minorities in other places grew up with. I didn't have that in Miami. That's I think that gave me a leg up, to be honest, because I, I just took every every rejection like on the chin and was like, all right, I, I can do the next thing. Let's figure out if that guy can do it. I can do it, you know, and, and that's, I guess, a long winded way of answering how to get from Miami. <laughs> No. <laughs> not long-winded you're cuban we can't tell yeah, the story in yeah. under three minutes come on like right i gotta say the first time i noticed you was um was on the the grinder um the with rob Lowe and fred savage yeah and there was it, i've said this before about certain actors that you know at that point i just knew your you know your name like oh she, and she's great and you know natalie morales and just instantly i was just like i think i know that girl you know what i mean like I, there was something about you that was relatable and that just felt like Again, now that we know you, we literally went to this. We grew up in the same neighborhood. I get it, you know. And I think there's just something about about your your the characters that you play that it comes across, and it you come. It's very funny, and in a way, you're almost like sardonic, if I could use that word, without mm-hmm. being unapproachable. And I just got to tell you, like, that's not easy, girl. And like, <laughs> like you pull it off. You pull it off. Thank you. Stars. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, specifically, yes, in that grinder role, that's definitely uh, what I was playing for sure. It is that does come sort of naturally to me, I guess. I guess I, I am very blunt in general, so people and very honest, so people can cast me in those roles for sure. But but yeah, it, it, it's fun to do. It's fun to you know make fun of Rob Lowe on national te- television. <laughs> exactly. You know, I have a question for you about your your role on um, Dead to Me. Um, in in that series, you play a Cuban American, mm-hmm. um, which actually I love that because the way they introduced it, it's one of those things where you were saying it so people would know. But as a Cuban American, it felt like a lived experience where you were talking about your mother in the nursing home, and you were kind of like, "We're Cuban, we don't do this, we do that." Like you know, it wasn't just like, "Hi, I'm Cubana," you know, type right. of that thing. <laughs> Was that written initially, or is that something that you brought? No, I think they wrote it. They do have some um, Latinx writers on the staff. And also um, the the creators of the show are Liz, who's incredible. She, she you know, once they cast me, sort of wrote it, okay. it, some parts of it for me. It's cool that you bring that up because it's something that I've tried to do in my career in general and, and have lost roles because of it, but I think ultimately it was the right thing. I never wanted to play a stereotypical Latina because I felt like for so long, people that were not Latin were writing Latin roles. And it was like everything that I read or saw was like, we just burst into like random dancing at any moment or like call, I call everyone poppy. And like, you know what I mean? Like it just didn't feel realistic to 
my experience or many, many people's experience that I knew. So like, I guess I kind of made a career out of like taking white girl roles and making them mine. Like I said before, I didn't fit into that already. And so then I, I, I kind of shunned it in general. Like I wanted everything that I played to, with everything that I do, like the fact that I'm Cuban or Latinx or queer or whatever it is, is just like a part of who I am. And, and likewise, when representing those characters on TV and film should be a part of who they are, not everything about them. And for so long, any kind of like marginalized community or 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 minority actor or character was written as the like the identity that made them a minority is the only thing that's interesting about them when that we all know that's not the case you know so like i i i really like that they did that on dead to me because that character that i play she's cuban that's her mom that's part of it it's part of her history it's part of that experience but it's not the thing about her you know right in, in the time that you you know been in hollywood what what are some of the changes that you've seen to the topic we're talking about now in terms of not only changes but proper and authentic representation i definitely see a bit of a shift which is exciting to me and 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 it's hard to know whether it's just whether i would feel this way if i was in the exact same place in my career as i was when i first started because obviously more opportunities are being afforded to me now because i've done more and i've built my career in a certain way so i i have more opportunities now based on that not necessarily based on how the industry has changed but i will say i think you know when i was first starting out it was very very rare that to have a female lead of something was innovative right so it so to have anything but that was like i was playing the best friends or the girlfriends or or if lucky the love interest or you know the, the girl who eye rolls at Rob Lowe, but like not, I wasn't playing, it, it wasn't the lead roles. It wasn't the like, this show is about this person or, you know, directors weren't getting these opportunities as often as possible. There, there's, a, there's definitely like a shift in at least the conscious knowing of the imbalance of power that has existed because like any other business, like, you know, if you control the business and you then you give opportunities to your friends and your sons and your you know and, and and the people that happen and there are people outside of those lines that um you can hire but you're going to hire them for like smaller parts and that's what it was for years and years yeah. and years and now i think we're starting to see a shift in that like um so i, I definitely have seen that there's a little bit of a shift where it's not so out of the question that I would have a lead role in something. Yeah, no, and, and I think, you know, you mentioned something very true, which is, and, and you know, you, you just recently this year released your first directorial movie, Plan B, which, kudos. It was Thank you. adorable. It was funny. It was, it was heartfelt. It was just, it was everything, right? And, you know, even, Thank you. even then, I think, obviously, people want to shorthand, right, and say, like, oh, it's a you know, female version of American Pie, or it's, you know, right. it's a minority version of this. I work in marketing, so from that perspective, I understand the sell, right? It doesn't give it its own credit, right? It, it almost just feels Well, like yeah, yeah. The more of them there are, the less you can, you, you say that, right? So, like, I knew, I knew Plan B was going to be compared to Booksmart, because it's, like, the only one of its kind, sure. right? And so... 
the more of these that we make, the, then then you don't get those comparisons. It's not like you say you don't really say like a movie, a TV show about girls anymore. You kind of just like this is a TV show and it's starring women because there are more and more of those being made. But like besides Booksmart, and I think you know. Plan B goes a little further than Booksmart as far as like the R R ratedness of it. Um, God and, bless and, you for that, by the way. Just thank you, thank you. We deserve it. We we deserve it. Um, it, was, it that's was what great. I wanted. I was like, there there doesn't there's never been a movie like we've seen these teen movies a million times. Right. These like teen quest movies, and they're besides Booksmart, which came out when we had already started developing, like we had already had the script and we, we were already doing that. And then Booksmart came out, which was very exciting. But besides Booksmart, there wasn't any movies about teenage girls that were, that were like as dirty and as raunchy and as crazy as all the other teen movies we had seen our whole lives that starred, that starred guys, you know? And besides that, the quest in those movies is always like let's get the alcohol or let's get to the cool party or let's get to you yeah. know like that's the quest in in um in Booksmart the Booksmart quest is like let's find the cool party and the biggest issue in Booksmart is that they got into really really good schools and so did everyone else and i was like <laughs> from a personal standpoint and also on behalf of um people not only girls but people all over america that are not like in la or new york in some city where these movies are typically set that there are bigger more realistic issues like for example they're trying to get the plan b pill they're trying to get contraception just like basic health care and you can still build a big comedy around a real stakes real issues and so i thought that that was exciting and, and, and an interesting way to subvert that genre and you know give you the the structure of something you know really really well and that is familiar and comfortable to see and to watch but then insert these things like oh they're children of immigrant parents and they and the quest that they want is different and that was really fun to, to do and also very important for me to do and c congratulations by the way the movie has stellar reviews thanks yeah <laughs> I, I, a lot of people like to not give a big review, you know, but I mean, when they're good, they're good. And are, are you going to um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually, how do I say this? This was not intentional. It was just uh, because of because of how things happened last year. I directed two movies last year. Um, Overachiever much? Not, yeah. like I said, not on purpose. Uh, Plan B. Everybody else gained weight during COVID. You directed two movies. <laughs> Um, I also gained weight and I also made banana bread, so I wasn't that far off from everybody else, don't worry. Um, uh, I also downloaded and became obsessed with TikTok, so we're all in the same boat. Um, the, the, um, I was supposed to film Plan B, like we had done pre-production and, and like a, all this prep for it, like people's hair was bleached, houses were painted, everything was happening, uh, and we got shut down the Friday before the Monday when we were supposed to start filming in March oh, of 2020. So we didn't know if the movie was going to happen at all. We had no idea what was going to, what was going to happen. And then um, Mark Duplass, who I had worked with before, cause I had directed a couple of episodes of his show room 104 that was on uh, HBO. He called me and he was like, I have this weird idea. Do you want to work on it together? And so we wrote a movie and we shot it in the middle of lockdown, just kind of experimentally just to see what would happen. And then while I was editing that, Plan B came back and they were like, let's shoot this. So I was like editing on the weekends and also doing some reshoots on the weekends for this movie that is called Language Lessons that I made with 
Mark, and then I was shooting Plan B. Um, and then Language Lessons went to a bunch of festivals like Berlin. It won the Audience Award at South by Southwest, which was really exciting. That's like Congrats. their biggest award. Thank you. And, and, um, and then Plan B came out. Um, and then now Language Lessons is going to come out into the public. I think uh, actually it's going to be playing in Miami at the Tower Theater uh, in September. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping, depending on the COVID situation, I'm hoping that um, we can have a premiere in Miami. So that would be really exciting for yeah, me that'll be awesome. in general. The movie is um, half in Spanish very near and dear to me. I also play a Cuban in the movie. So yeah, there is more directing to be had, but there's also, I'm also acting in different things and doing both, doing the most. So yeah. you, know, you, you mentioned, you know, uh, that in, in language lessons, you know, you're playing a Cuban again, right? Uh, mm -hmm. which, why wouldn't you? It's what you are and, and, you're, and you wave that flag very proudly. Um, yeah. You know, again, not to bring the beat down, right? But, you know, given that it's, what everything that's happening in Cuba of late, I mean, you have been fantastic on your on using your platform to really get information out there and, you know, try and I don't want to say change the narrative, but educate the narrative, shall we say, mm -hmm. um, to the point where we have not so subtly just reposted lots of your things. Um, because, <laughs> you know, it's just you, you were so great about, you know, what information you posted and and all of that. And, you know, obviously you grew up here, but you're not, you know, you haven't been living here for a while in, in Miami. And so it's a different we've been to L.A. We know there's a community out there, but it's different. How have you like felt in terms of like, I just got to keep this information going, you know, because you've really been almost nonstop. I mean, I'm starting to wonder about your sleep schedule, frankly. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, so am I. Um, it, I, I was actually, you know, what's crazy is that with, with all of the Plan B stuff and the language lesson stuff and like a lot of other projects that I've been working, I was really like nonstop ridiculous hours for like a year and a half. And then I was like, all right, July 11th um, for a week, I'm going to take I'm gonna just go off the grid <laughs> and take time off. I went to this like cabin by the lake and I was like, I'm, I'm just not gonna look at my phone. I'm not gonna do anything. Oh, so Cuba is <laughs> doing like, like the, something they have never done and it's like a completely new revolution is happening. Guess I have to be on my phone. Uh, so it was, it's been a crazy month, I mean, not for me as much as for the people on the island who is who I'm yeah. trying to amplify, but like we all have a different experience. But I think for people in Miami and people in the diaspora in general, little bits of Cuba everywhere on the planet, you know? And, and I think that all of us, regardless of what like political party we're in, although sometimes people do insert that in their conversations about That's Cuba, which is annoying and makes no sense to me, but regardless of you know if you're a libertarian or a republican or or even if you don't live in the united states and you have a whole different set of even honestly i i have known cubans who are like like children of cubans or, or cubans who are somewhere else who are like i kind of understand communism but it doesn't work like you know what i mean like i've i've seen all sorts of political ideologies that have the same opinion about cuba if you have a tie to the island like we all do i, I think it's so strong i mean i um my whole family are refugees, uh, and my grandfather was a political prisoner on, on both the Batista side and later on, you know what I mean? Oh, like, wow. Yeah, he fought with Fidel against Batista, and then Fidel betrayed everybody, and he was 
like Ben Fidel was after him. It was a crazy situation. I think people on all sorts of ends of that, uh, you know, have this similar feeling. Like I always say, I'm one of many, many people who grew up with a boat in their backyard that was to go kill Fidel at some point, like mm -hmm. that their grandfather had in their backyard. And like my grandfather and all his little old friends would have all these conversations about it all the time. And like, I was always like, that's normal. Like, and that's not normal. That's, that's so, what a crazy way to grow up. But that's how we grew up, you know? And, and he always, he, he died in, in 2000, but he always was like, you can't go back to the island until the, the Castros are no longer in power because any money you give to tourism goes straight to the government and like you can't support the government at all. And so me and my mom and like the rest of my family never went, although we all, I, I always wanted to go because I had never been, you know, and um, my grandmother's sister, my mom's aunt was very, very sick. I, I convinced my mom, I was like, we should go see her. We should, we'll spend the least money possible, but we, this is the last time you're going to see your family. Like we have to see her. And so we went and, um, it was crazy. I always tell people when that. When was this? That, huh? When, what year was this that you went? This was 2012. Um, I wrote I wrote an op-ed about it after I went. Um, that was on is in Flood magazine. If you if you want to look at it, it's called "Please Stop Saying You Want to Go to Cuba Before It's Ruined," because that was something I kept hearing and it was driving me crazy. But what I wanted actually, to do, I wanted to ask you about that because yeah. your tweets were unapologetically like straightforward and you were schooling people rightfully so uh because we found ourselves in this position as well but you know you have a, little, a much larger platform than we do what do you think is the greatest disconnect that people have with the reality of cuba well okay i definitely have an answer for that but i'll, I'll just finish what i was saying before is that like being in cuba in havana i always tell people is like having Harry Potter read to you every night your entire life and then like being in Hogwarts. <laughs> like it was like so weird because you feel like you belong. You do. Some part of you really feels like that's your homeland. Like it was undeniable that feeling, but it was also better and worse and weirder than you might imagine and very beautiful and very tragic and very sad and it, and it, and I carry all that with me and the people that I met and, and, and you know, I, 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 my family has had to send medicine and food and all sorts of things to Cuba. Like we all have, if we have family there. And I think that to answer your question, DJ, that the disconnect is that really the people, well, there's, there's so many reasons for this, but the <laughs> biggest, the biggest thing is that one, Cuba is really good at propaganda and, and we don't see it and we don't know it because we have direct, contacts into the island um, and we have family there and we have and even if we don't have family there we have family that came from there that told us directly what it was like so not only does cuba have excellent propaganda all over the world that that describes this sort of like utopia um that exists there the reason they believe it is because cuba um has all of the journalists that are selected to report on cuba must be handpicked by the government so all of the respectable media that has come out of Cuba for the last 60 years has come from people that are approved by the government. And so the, when people see Cuba, like the only place outside of Cuba, the only place that has a, 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 this clear image and that where this is as big of a deal it is, as it is because we know what actually goes on there is South Florida. 
everywhere else, even in the United States, people don't know. And, and because they don't know, they don't care. There's a lot of disdain for people in South Florida, for like Miami Cubans in general, because of the way that they voted in the last election that convinces other people that whatever they care about can't be important or, you know, or is some sort of like Trumpy thing when it has nothing to do with that. It doesn't matter what right. it is. It, it's it's the point. Yeah, I think that that there are people like. I, I mean, I'm not trying to get political in any way. I, I'm I'm not a Democrat. I'm an independent person because I think political parties are stupid. But like people like Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz are not great spokesmen for the Cuban American experience in in the eyes of a lot of people. And so the voices that we have coming out of America, which are the only voices advocating for Cuba, the only there have been like mixed. And so that's why I, I think it's so important to to amplify the voices on the island and not what I want, not what you guys want, not even what our parents want, because it's their homeland, but it's not their home anymore. They have this is their home. They have the United States. They have Miami. They have a, the Cuban people do not. And if the voices keep getting louder over here than over there because they're cutting the Internet over there and because they don't have outlets and because they don't have you know, a freedom. way to translate or, or freedom or a way to get their voice out. And we keep talking over them. I, I've heard a lot of people in Miami calling for like American intervention without knowing how horrible that would be for Cuba and how impossible it actually is at this point. You know what I mean? Like what that would do and how that would set it off because it's an emotional response. It's an emotional response of like wanting to like avenge your grandparents and your parents and wanting to do things for them. And even for them, it's that. But you have to think about it from the perspective of the people who have been on the island this whole time and are just like kind of seeing clearly in, in a way that they haven't in 60 years because they got like they, they got Internet widely received in two years ago, two years ago. Yeah. So that has been like the biggest difference in making them be able to organize with each other and in, and in having like, you know, illegal independent media supporting them and supporting what they want and that's why i've been so vocal about it because it literally is the most concrete way we can help you know is to continue to talk about it and continue to put it in people's heads so that all the people in the rest of the world in the united states that i have had so many people be like you know it, it's it has been a difficult month for me mental health wise on the internet because there are Marxists and communists who call me all sorts of horrific oh, names oh, online. Oh, oh, oh we've yeah. got that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. We're all part of that yeah. horrible club. But I, I think I think that what, what the reason why I think it's so important for people to speak out, whether it's just individuals, micro influencers, since that's a word, mm -hmm. and even people like you that you're a celebrity, how such a big platform is. Because one of the biggest disappointments I had with this whole Cuba debacle in this last month was that, and I made a video about it that sort of went viral, is that, you know, in the last couple of years, we've, we as a society here in the U.S., we have said, we got to listen. We got to listen to women in the Me Too movement when they're telling you they're being mm -hmm. harassed. We got to listen to black men when they're telling you what their lived experiences with law enforcement. We have to listen to Asian Americans. We have to li listen to trans, you know, uh, men and women who are, you know, treated inhumanely. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we've gone so, we've 
come along so far in terms of having to listen to people, rightfully so, because we have to listen to their lived experiences. And what really disappointed me with this whole um, Cuba situation now was that you were seeing these videos and these protests of these people in Cuba telling you what they wanted, freedom. They weren't saying, stop the embargo, stop this. They were saying... Yeah. Freedom, libertad. This is what they were saying. And I feel that people here in the U.S., when it came down to this, they were so gung-ho on their position on whatever it may be, Correct. and their political stance or on who they don't like, that they were not listening to what people there were saying. So going back to you, Correct. that's yeah. important that you have hammered on Twitter. Like, every day, like, all these tweets and all these retweets, retweets showing the, the reality of what living there is and what they have gone through. So I, I think it's very important that it, we can't stay silent, at least. No, no. And, and you know, I, a, a learning experience for me as an American and, and like looking at myself and going, shit, have I done this too? Is, is I've talked about exactly what you just talked about on Twitter. And so many people from so many other countries, um, Venezuela, some people from, the Ukraine, some people from different places have told me that they've talked about their experience in their country and Americans ex almost exclusively have been like, no, actually, let me tell you what it's like in the place where you're from. I, <laughs> I know more than you do. So I think it's a very common American thing to like, and we're just experiencing it for the first time, you know, to because we have this outside connection for people to tell us what it's like for us when they have no idea. America explaining. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess it's a thing because I didn't I didn't realize it before, you know, like I I also was so disappointed with that. And I think, you know, the more I've been thinking about it and the more that I've been like you know, half of my brain has been split in trying to inform people and then part of that was being taken up by the, what felt like a barrage of comments back that, like I was saying, were like awful insults by like Marxists or communists, which is like, by the way, in the guidebook, like that is how you deal with your with your enemies or or people who oppose you in a Marxist guidebook is you call them every worst name in the book. So just so you know that. And then having people just continually bring up the embargo and 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 me going like, yes, I know it sucks, but that's not what they're protesting. Like. Right. It didn't work. It's stupid. You can have whatever opinions you have, but the embargo is not jailing them. The embargo is not beating them. The embargo is not, you know, like preventing food. if there is if there, yeah, if there is food for the government and food for tourists, why isn't there food for the people? That is a mismanagement there. Like Cuba is a fertile land with tons of soil. They export everything. It's it's badly managed and it's a hierarchy of of, you know, rich and powerful. And that's just what it is. And people don't I think people want to believe like people outside of Miami that went to college and took courses and watched the fucking motorcycle diaries and like were like, I want to be a revolutionary and I'm wearing this Che Guevara shirt. And I think it's great because they, they learned all the things that Che Guevara did for other countries that were very revolutionary and didn't learn that he was a madman and a psycho in Cuba who killed tens and thousands of people. They didn't learn that part. So they don't want to let go of the one thing that made them feel smart some time yeah. ago. <laughs> and, and it's annoying, but you know, I try to have patience with those people at the very least, but, but, 
I think also something that we have to remember when dealing with things online is that even though those are people that are allowed, they're not the majority of people because like, I don't comment on nearly everything that I see. Like I comment barely on, on anything. I am taking in information, but that doesn't mean like the fact that I'm not sharing it or liking it doesn't mean that I didn't in, it. put it, put it in my eyeballs. Right. So the, the amount of people that, are commenting these awful things right or left or whatever they may be making it about whatever their ideology is and using the cuban people and the cuban struggle as a pawn currently to do that whether for their own personal gain or whatever um is, is actually smaller than it seems they're just very loud right and and then the, the thing that really did maybe this will help you the thing that really did make me go oh i don't give a fuck about these people anymore i'm just gonna keep saying whatever i feel like saying is that so many people think I'm in the CIA now. And I'm oh. like, oh, they're crazy. Like, yeah. they're crazy. They're, this is, this is, this is a... They, is that your newest project you're going to talk to us about? Are, are, are you, are you, are you, are you disclosing it here first, Campero, let me tell you? Would I be, like, a really bad CIA agent if I'm talking this much about it? Like... Hey, plain sight. You're hiding in plain sight. Yeah, but by the way, the, the things that you're talking about, like the videos of people protesting and, and you know, the Patria Vida, like I can't tell you, sometimes even a, a, one respected journalist wrote me and retweeted saying that that song, that Patria Vida and that those hashtags were created by the United States in order to sow, like, uh, um, unrest in Cuba. And I'm like... What do you people do? The United States doesn't have time for this. Yeah. Cuba doesn't have oil. They don't care. They don't like, care. They don't care. They're, like, they're not yeah, they sugar. don't care about this. This is not the '60s. This is. It's just. It's so dumb that I stopped caring about what idiots are saying, and I'm like, I, I'm just gonna keep amplifying this as much as I possibly can. I know that there are several. Um, there's several lists of demands that are coming out now from different organizations and different groups of people on the island. So they're they're starting to organize more and more. I've been working with different organizations. Amnesty International is one of them. Not only is is you know Cuba SOS and like and and Patria Vida and getting those hashtags out there and getting people asking questions and actually like that's the nightmare for Cuba is that the PR and their and their their publicity of like Cuba's this great utopia is slowly starting that that the facade that like facade is slow, mm -hmm. slowly starting to come down. So the more we talk about that the better it is, but I do know that like there's so many things going on in the world every day that are horrific or great or steal our attention and a news cycle is very very quick. So people that are not us are going to forget it and it's not going to be important. Although I am going to talk about it very often if not every day. But I also know that like a call to action makes people feel more empowered and um, and can oftentimes be more successful than just a hashtag. So, like, I, I think that we have to support the demands that are coming out of the island. Primarily, I, I think something that is inarguable is getting those political prisoners out. The ones that were that are still in there um, from a month ago, from January, uh, from July 11th, but also. What a lot of people don't understand is that there have been July 11th wasn't the first thing. There there was protests in April. There was protests in November that were smaller, mostly created by artists, which is unbelievable, right? And 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 there's people that are still in prison from those uh, from those situations too. So I think that that's like an achievable goal is to put 
international pressure on Cuba to release these prisoners because the more they start to look like the bad guy and not the utopia right. to people other than the United States, because the United States already knows this, right? It's the people, and, and I mean that by the government, not, not the rest of the yeah. people, but <laughs> yeah. when that PR game, when that facade starts to crumble, that's when they start to panic. Oh, wow. Perfectly said. I mean, Perfectly yeah, said, Natalie. Honestly, like, I, I, I you know, I, I, I loved you before, love you more now, not going to lie. Um, just Thank like, you. I didn't, know, I didn't know you guys before, but I love you now. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that matters. So I, I want to kind of bring the, the mood a little, a little happier, right? Um, and, okay. and again, kind of bring it back. I, I read somewhere that you and your writing partner are – writing a script and you've also you've also got phil lord in there another miami boy and you're writing partner, yeah she's from miami as well yeah um and you're basically writing I, i'm gonna again i'm gonna shorthand things right essentially like a cuban american four weddings and a funeral except it's uh quinces a wedding and a funeral and something else I, a I baptism ah, claro, yeah. bautizo, claro. Yeah. Claro. Claro. Yeah. so yeah. i mean how did i, I want to ask how did that come about but we all come from the same neighborhood, so I know how it came about um, in your head in some way. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We we um, we wanted to we wanted to tell a story that felt like you know there there are a few like very few big blockbusters about Latinx people. Um, I think the last one that I we'll talk about in the Heights in one second, but. I think the la the last big one that wasn't Coco, which was like a, an animated cartoon, which I think was wonderful and, and incredible. And, and I think even though it was about Mexican culture and, and Mexican people in general, I think many, many Latino people still related to it in, in such mm -hmm. a deep way, not to mention people all over the world, not just Latinx people. But Selena is the last movie I can remember that like, didn't matter what country you were from, yeah. you you like repped that movie because it, it felt like you were like, it was somehow about you, even though it was in no way about you. Like, what do we have to do with people in Texas? You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. And and I think that like, I, 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 there's a lot of things that I really liked about In the Heights and, and um, a lot of things that I, a lot of people that I really like um, that made that movie. But I think that there's this, the, the Latino uh, moviegoer uh, percentage is very high. We watch yeah. so many movies, and they're not about us. They're, they're, we watch so many movies, and I think, I can't remember, the LA Times did, um, did a, uh, an, like an investigation on, on this, and they, it was a couple years ago, and it was something like 8% of characters on TV and movies are, are Latinx, and like, four percent are leads or even something wow. even smaller than that and we watch movies we're like 40 percent of the movie going yeah we people. just especially opening weekend we are just yeah we watch yeah. we watch movies more more than our more than any other um like uh race basically yeah. and many other ethnicity and so i knew that and i was like why aren't we making movies for these people like why and and i think that something like in the heights they they try and make it so that like it's really it's hard to crack but i but i think it's latino people because there's so many countries that we come from and so many and and within those countries so many cultures and dialects and customs right there are too many things to make us a monolith population yep 
but there are things that are that we have in common um i think we all have metiche moms like all of us yeah <laughs> but like uh no matter where you're from that is a that is a common thing there are there are these like uniting things and by the way that's not just latinx people but oh, like yeah, they're, like they're, Jewish yeah mothers and yeah exactly, exactly. I, I always say like cuba is the like cubans are the jews of the caribbean it's like the same we have the same <laughs> style of comedy and the same sure. mothers and the same guilt um yeah. it's all it's the all the same yeah the guilt it's all the same it really is um but but i i think that's where that movie failed in that it tried to make it so generic so that it would be like one size fits all that nobody in my community at least really connected with it as much as they they expected it to because there wasn't a ton of specificity to it and 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 when you i think we've learned that when you try and force the latinx community into you know, something that's made for them, it, it doesn't feel right and it doesn't land right. And so I, not that my movie's in response to that, my movie's been happening way, way before that, but my intention always is to capture, like, I think they did it in Selena and I think they did it in Coco and I think they did it in, uh, you know, a movie like Fargo where you have, um, there's specificity and that specificity makes it universal. And I think there's a really specific side of Miami that has never been shown in any Miami movies, as we know, because Miami movies are always about the beach and they're always the like glitzy, glammy side of Miami. And it's not about the experience of actually living there and like maybe sometimes hating it. You know, it's not about that experience. And I, and I think that is so relatable to everyone, not only to Latinx people, but to everyone and certainly yeah. to people from Miami. And so like, that's what we wanted to write is that other side of Miami that you haven't seen yet. I also think with what you said about in the Heights, cause we, we talked about that here. Um, when the movie came out, I'm a sucker there was, for a musical. You know, so I'm always going to love a musical. I, oh, the backlash. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I totally agree with you. I just feel like it was, I, I'm talking about like, um, box office wise, it was a disappointment and, yeah, and it also it was not watched by Latin people as much as they thought it would be. But, but, but I think that one of the problems with it was that, as you said, so very few movies get made about the, you know, Latin experience or Latin culture that when ever a movie does come out it has like the weight of the entire like latin community as a whole on it and it's just it's 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 such a burden to bear because you know in the heights obviously talked about washington heights which is predominantly a dominican um right. enclave and if we were to be having more of these stories, like you said, you know, while well, some projects are about Dominicans and some about our Cubans and some about our Mexicans and, you know, Colombians, so on and so forth, it, there wouldn't be, I think, this kind of unrealistic expectation of, because that movie had to be everything for everyone. But it did, I disagree. It didn't have to be, but it tried to be, which is why it wasn't successful. That that's that's why I I mean and it obviously it was it made a lot of money for a lot of people but I just mean like in the way that they expected it to be for Latinx people because they wanted it to be everything for everyone mm -hmm. and nothing is going to be everything because yeah. there's nuance <laughs> yes and also I think that honestly I, I think that Latinx people are tired of being represented only by like a one block in New York and L A <laughs> or or Texas like there's more. There's so much more and all these stories are just these places. 
And there's so many different countries in Miami. There's so many now. I mean, it did used to be so much Cuban, but now it's everything. Yeah. It's this big, yep. big melting pot. And that's so interesting. And, and everybody wants to go to Miami and it's like this place everybody talks about. And to, I think it's, it's fun to tell them like, not necessarily the real story because there's many real stories and many different perspectives, but, and it's also, by the way, not based on my life or my writing partner's life that much. Um, but, <laughs> but there's, there's, there's elements of like what it is like to live there that I don't think people have really seen. So that's, it's exactly what I was saying before with Booksmart and Plan B. Like, it wouldn't be compared to the last thing if there was many, 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 many other ones. You know, another thing is just to keep making these movies so that they're not like, oh, it's like the Latin version of this, right? Yep. Or like, right. It, you know, so it's just what it is. And um, that's the goal, man. So, so you're going to make a movie about, my, about Miami where we don't go to the beach every day, we don't go to clubs every day? Because <laughs> like, that's yeah. what everybody thinks. Like, oh yeah, we go to the beach every day. Yeah, every day. We, yeah. we all have Lamborghinis, yeah. and you know, you we don't work. You hit it on the head. Like uh, every third word out of people's mouth in the script is "bro." Oh, that's okay. how yeah. Miami is. Yeah. It's authentic. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's it. That's, that's it. it. Yeah. That's it. And I'm gonna go ahead and just put me and DJ out there. You know, if, if when this moves forward, it gets obviously. I'm hoping it'll be filmed down here, in Miami. And you yeah. need someone to play the people taking Los Centro de Mesas from oh my God, all these so events. We, yes. we volunteer. We volunteer. Okay, we have experience. I'll, I'll definitely keep you guys in mind. I, I, did some, in I did some theater at FIU. Amazing. <laughs> so did I. Yeah, so did I. He's Raul Garcia, I remember, was our professor. I don't think I had Raul Garcia. Um, no, I had... I had Philip Church and I had a few other ones. Oh, when I, was I know there. Philip Church actually because you do, yeah, because he does his taxes with my dad. It's a very small world. I'm sure we know a million other people in common. <laughs> I'm sure that if we really sat down and thought it, like talked it yes. through, of course, we have a cousin in common somewhere. Somewhere, for sure. of course, for sure. yes. <laughs> oh my god. I know. I can't believe we all went to Southwest. It's so crazy. But well, Natalie, I know you are a very, very busy person. And, you know, you've been so awesome. And honestly, I, I'm only doing this because it's three Cubans talking. So we could be here for another 18 hours. And we could, yeah. And not even blink. And I know. <laughs> But Natalie, again, thank you so much. Like I know, you know, it took a while to coordinate it, but you know, they say um, all good things come to those who wait, and this interview is proof of that. Like honestly, thank you. I'm so happy to talk to you guys. Thank you. And thank you for everything that you guys are doing. Uh, you know, in regards to Cuba too, I think it's important to keep talking about it. So, thank you. And we're back. She was great. She was great. Like I, as you know, I, I edit our interviews down. I tried my hardest, but it was just, there was so much like jewels in there. It was yeah. like from talking about you know Southwest, our betters, you know her grandfather having the boat in the back. It's just I I, I couldn't. She was I couldn't. Great. She was great and like yeah, it it felt like we were talking to one of us because she is. You she know? is she, like, legit. She's great. She's great. And I, and I can't help but wonder if like we ever were just like in the same Publix together. I'm sure we were. Of course we were. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, exactly. Like. I'm sure we were at Navarro at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so, people who go to CVS y Mas will never understand. No. Es verdad que Navarro es el lugar más barato para los perfumes. 
It really is. It really is. I could buy my Calvin Klein Eternity there for like 35 bucks. I mean, sure, you don't get the tote bag, but I don't use the tote bag anyway. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> or the you gift know, set. The gift set, right. With the, you know, soap that I don't use, with the deodorant right. I don't use, with the body cream that I don't use either. Nobody uses it. No. So even when I go out and I buy it for like un regalo. Yeah. It's just a And waste. then you can't re-gift it. No. Because you know, people know. Well, not just that, because they put the cologne inside the... the it's the, usually the, like a yes a gift the set yeah yes. the box so yeah. you, what are you so gonna have like a empty space so whatever anyway um, it's soda time it is soda time so do you want to go first or do you want me to go first I'm gonna give us a, a gasless soda this week okay. and it's just gonna be very short and simple okay. it's not against one person in specific okay. my gasless soda goes to all the idiots online who are doing the crate challenge that's all. Thank you. You can just leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, you know what the great challenge yes, is, I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to our listeners who don't know what the great challenge is. Look it up. Just look, look it up. up. You won't, it's yeah. milk crates that you do in an ascending kind of stair, and then you descend on the other side. Right. And then, you know, people have fallen and gotten hurt, you know. Because when you see it online and people are falling and getting hurt, because the videos show people falling <laughs> yeah. and getting hurt. It it's not right. tricking you. It's telling me. Sure, I'm going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> I'm going to be the one that's going to do it. Yes, I'm going to do it. So, I'm going to be the one. You get a gasless soda. Well, I'm also giving a gasless soda this week. So My gasless soda goes to all the anormales in Mississippi oh who have been taking Invermectin as a, as a cure for COVID. What is that? Do you know what Invermectin is? Uh, uh, something for diarrhea? No, that would actually be okay. For mouse droppings? No. You get one more guess. I'm going to give you three guesses. Is it some type of bug repellent? No, but closish. It is a cow deworming medication. Oh, because that clearly is going to affect right. a human pulmonary right. issue. At least 70% of the recent calls to poison control in, in Mississippi have been related to the ingestion of livestock or animal formulations of Invermectin purchased at livestock supply centers. Okay. And these are the same people who will tell you, I'm not taking a vaccine because I don't know what's in it. All I have to say about that... Anormales. All I have to say about that and the milk crate challenge... They deserve so each other. other things, <laughs> is that one of the beautiful things about getting older <laughs> is you realize a lot of things are correct that you heard when you were younger and the older that i get the more i agree and i realize that darwin was correct oh yeah and not just from fresher fresh presents que voila no although he probably would agree with us yes charles darwin was on to something he yeah. really was when he talked about natural selection yep and if you don't know what natural selection <laughs> is please look it up <laughs> because one of the things that covid has really really taught me is yeah that Charles Darwin? This is not a theory. This is oh, no, survival of the fittest is it's a real. real thing. It's real. It is a real thing. So they will take a cow, a cow, a cow deworming medication. Medication that's not for humans, right. but they will not take the vaccine. Right. 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 That makes so much sense. Right. <laughs> okay. The thing is that they became infectious disease experts overnight, but they also became veterinarians. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Coño. There's a vet course that you could take in 20 minutes. You just hit 20 different slides. Next. Next. 
It's shorter than the COVID course because I hear that one's 30 slides. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't include the variants. No, that's why. It, it get, oh, the variants always gets you. Yeah, the variants. Yeah. Of course, you know. The Delta, the Eastern. The Pan Am. The TWA. <laughs> you know, all the variants. All of them. Yeah. I mean, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> Thank you. This is why this Thank we you. can't have nice things. No, no, yeah. <laughs> Charles Darwin, I'm telling you people, I'm telling you, I I rest very easily because, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I, I'm not, I'm not we, getting milk we, crates. If, if we judge the Charles Darwin, if we, if we go down that, <laughs> that route, I'm good. I like to think I'm okay. I've had lapses in judgment, but, you know, youthful lapses in judgment. Yeah, yeah, you live and learn, you know. Right. Uh, but, but I learned, right, right. Right. You live and learn, right. right. But, again, read up on Charles Darwin. and It wasn't wrong, people. No, no. It wasn't wrong. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we should end the show on that note. I think we both gave gasless right. sodas. So. I was actually going to say, but it's a really big downer. I was actually going to say that, you know, our hearts go out to the tragedy, tragedy, tragedy in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, what's been going on for uh, uh, About, what two, three weeks at this point? Yeah, and what happened this week with the explosion? There were, mm-hmm. I think, a dozen uh, American military uh, crewmen that died, uh, along with civilians that died. It's just a horrible, horrible, horrible tragedy that's going on over there. And you know, sometimes when we record this show we kind of have to do a juggling act in terms of like what we cover because we like to cover topics and we like to cover things that are current and things that are going on in the world and you know if you've been listening to us all this time you know that many many times we do take on these really hard conversations and we spoke of afghanistan like two weeks we did um but sometimes it's like i know a lot of you listen to us to kind of laugh and get away and and all that so like we really struggle with like should we include like Bad, you know, like and how much really and, heavy yeah. content, and you know, so we like to kind of balance it a little bit. So, anyway, with that, we hope you listen, laugh, and learn. And if you didn't learn about Charles Darwin, go look him up now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and as always, remember to grab your pastelito, your croqueta, and your cafecito, and have a great weekend, everybody. Pero Friday, have a great time, and see you or next week. Yes. Why did I say that? Like I was what, like, are we sir. are we like a Batman episode? Like same bat channel. Next week. <laughs> Bye, mi gente. Pero let me tell you is co-hosted by Darian Borges and Ismaeliano, produced by Ismaeliano, and our theme, Pero let me tell you freestyles, composed by Michael Angelo Lomlaplex, the official gay guy. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. 